In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. All right. So, we're back to our usual program, our usual schedule. 2024 is fully in swing. And as is often the case with a new year, sometimes people look to the future and what it might hold. And this particular show that we're talking about this week um, shows us a future where access to water is becoming very much more difficult than what you or I have experienced in our lives up to this point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So my question for you is how dirty of water would you be willing (laughs) to drink? (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Um, uh, Like present day or like if we were in a crisis? I mean, I, I guess like think about any sort of question related to water scarcity. Like how dirty would you be willing to go? How long in a line would you be willing to stand? Like, yeah, here's the thing. Because maybe you wouldn't need to drink dirty water, but you maybe would have to shower or clean yourself in water that you and I would describe as dirty now. Okay, that I feel, maybe I'm gross, but like that I feel less upset about, like showering in dirtyish water or like, you know, bathing in a pond as opposed to, I don't know. Or just bathing less in general, which per our our I'm previous conversation. <laughs> I, well, I don't I mean, know. It's gross, but I'm comfortable with it. Well, it depends. It, it depends. I think I could get comfortable with that as mm. lazy as I am. Mm. The bathing part would worry me less. Hmm. There's there's lots of problems, but I, <laughs> what I would be what I would be worried about is a scenario not to bring up a musical, but a oh scenario god, like, I know which musical you're referring <laughs> to now. Right, like I would be concerned about a urine town situation where like you don't have access to toilets. I see. So it's the opposite. It's not about the consumption of water. It's about its evacuation. (laughs) Yeah, correct. Correct. And because if we're talking about the consumption, I mean, consumption and evacuation are intrinsically connected. Correct. So like if, if we're in a shortage, are we drinking like toilet water? That is, I know. I would rather like... And and I'd also like to know in our water shortage, do we have diet soda? Can I just <laughs> have that instead? 
Um, yeah, it's not clear from this show, and I didn't do what I sometimes do of like going back and watching more, although I would be willing to do that in this case. So I didn't really like go back to see if there are other drinks like around, but like the thing is, I don't know that there could be because almost any drink has water somewhere along the line. (sighs) Yeah, but okay, so like I feel like I, I have like a visual of some type of movie where someone's drinking water and there's like a salamander in it or mm. something like that, like something floating in it. That I can't, that is a problem for me. Like a, I don't even like pulp in like a juice. I don't like things <laughs> floating in my drinks. Liquids, <laughs> yeah. except yeah. for ice cubes, then it's okay. Correct. Correct. And we clearly couldn't have ice cubes because no, that's, we're out of water. Yeah, that's too much of a luxury. You can't have a cold drink. Ew, and it's like, yuck, it's dirty and warm. Oh, God. Yeah, I... It's not good. I don't... I know that I have a particular answer of, like, this amount dirty, but it's... I would struggle. Yeah, I mean... That's, I will say that was kind of one of the things I broadly liked about this show is like, unlike some of the other content we've watched, I'm like, this is a scenario that seems eminently realistic. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, because as it is, there are people in the world now who struggle to get clean, drinkable water. Um, And people talk a lot about how like the future we're facing is one where water water will become, you know, like a higher and higher kind of value yeah. commodity. Um, and I mean, as it is now, like whenever, like even present day, when there's like going to be a storm that's lasting three hours, people are like, well, I need to buy all the water there ever was. Right. At, like- well, that's true too. <laughs> um, or like, I will say that's the other thing. Uh, that we, I forgot this, but like I watched an old episode of Broad City and it was based on when Hurricane Sandy came through mm. like the Northeast. And I remembered in the lead up to that, what the, a lot of the information that people were giving was like, fill up all your tubs and sinks with water yep. because yep. like that's for the plumbing, you that's for all water. this stuff, you know, like you can drink it yeah. if you want, but like you also, you can like use the, it to flush the toilet. That's right. And all this other stuff. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and then just now when I was thinking about, like, other drinks you could have, I'm like, no, at the at the f- source of every liquid drink, as far as I'm aware, water is somehow a part of it. Like, you need it. I guess it. you would just hope, I guess you would just hope that, like, the manufacturing companies of diet soda would have enough on back order <laughs> stockpiled that you could just like continue to have that for a, at least a while you probably could but like all the re- like so all the resources that because we use water for a lot of things other than drinking and bathing um right but eventually i guess with and and i'll clarify that this series does not tell us what year it is so we don't know precisely right. what the future holds um but like if you were in a world where it's like no all the water that exists needs to be directed just for human consumption alone mm-hmm. um that would so alter our lifestyle 
that like it's kind yeah. of hard to even imagine. Isn't there something that like I'll ask you since you're an expert camper? Great. Isn't there, like, some type- <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's me after going to a four day festival where I would describe what I was doing as merely sleeping on the ground in a tent. <laughs> expert camper in my in my book but isn't there I think there's like a device I feel like it's a camping device or a survival device that like you can it doesn't purify water but it like makes water better yeah there are different types of thing yeah there are different types of filters and purifiers not just for camping just in general like if you don't like the taste of your water in your local district you might get a water filtration system like in your home right but I think there's like a more like to go-ish type one there's also ones where like you absolutely can like put a water bottle into a stream and then put like a tablet in there and it will like kill bacteria that is dangerous like it won't kill everything but like if it's a clean enough stream you can put this like tablet thing in and it will kill like any bacteria that would be dangerous to you that would like make you ill um, but it doesn't okay. mean that the water is like, you know, perfectly crystal clear, clean. It just means you can drink it. Yeah. I also thought maybe there was something that you could use. I might be fully making this up where it can turn your pee into water. Well, I know there's a scene like that in Waterworld, but I'm not sure if that exists. <laughs> I, okay. So I in looked reality. it up and it's a, Okay, I don't think it's something that's, like, on the market for, like, regular, regular consumers. But it does say, using membrane distillation, the scientists were able to remove 95% of ammonia from urine. The urine is, ew, the urine is heated in a solar-powered boiler, then passes through a membrane separating water from nutrients such as nitrogen and potassium. Okay. So it's, but it's not for the purpose of drinking your piss. No, I mean, we all know that like, it is true that if you're in a extreme survival scenario, you can drink your pee some amount of the time, but like eventually, like if you do that, you're not really getting like the actual water that you need. So it will not work forever. Maybe not. Well, I've gone down a hole now because this thing (laughs) says, and I don't know if this is real. I don't know how to discern that really. But scientists from Belgium built a solar-powered machine that can turn urine into drinkable water. They decided the best place to get a ton of urine. (laughs) This might not be real. I don't know because it says they decided the best place to get a ton of urine was a 10-day music and theater festival in central something or other. They're not wrong about that. The team was able to collect a th- I'm going to be ill to collect a thousand liters of unconsumed water that they will use to make oh okay Belgian beer from the party goers urine. What is happening? I don't <laughs> know if this I <laughs> I'm oh I know and then this actually oh that's so funny the thing that I just read was a excerpt from this entire article. Whoa, that's okay. something. <sighs> The publication is called Futurism, so... (laughs) Yeah, well, that checks out. That checks out quite a lot. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to see (laughs) you next week in space. Uh, I am Sarah Walsh, and I'm here with my co-host and sister, Amy Walsh. And I think at this point, Amy, we really got to let them 
know what we're talking about and why we've devolved well, into like, can you drink your pee? Well, we're talking. Talk. We're, we're talking about for the next hour. We will be talking about turning pee into water. So, um, no, we're talking about a show called The Silent Sea, um, which the specific episode we watched was called The Truth Comes Out, which is episode four. And it originally aired on December 24th of 2021. Not very Christmassy, I will say that. No, it doesn't have much of a Christmas vibe. Um, <laughs> it is a Netflix original um, coming out of South Korea. Um, and its description on IMDb is as follows. During a perilous 24-hour mission on the moon, space explorers try to retrieve samples from an abandoned research facility steeped in classified Secrets. Um, so similar to some of the other South Korean uh, items we've talked about, this is just an eight episodes and done type of show. Um, although I think, is Squid Game having a second season? It's, I think, I haven't been plugged into that, but I think it's like a reality competition based they defini- on Squid Game. They definitely have that. A couple of my friends here oh. have gotten into watching that. Okay. Uh, okay. But hold on. I'm going to look at Oh, Squid is there also game. a slated for a second season? Yes. So it appears on IMDb, yes, that there is supposedly a season two that will happen at some juncture. It doesn't even have any other information other than that there's a kind of a, it will a tag for season two, episode one. Um, okay. So that is un, that actually is unusual from the relatively limited knowledge I have of South Korean TV shows. Oh. Um, most, and this is it's not just like a one storyline and done. Yeah, like when we did that one, what was that one called? My Hollow Love, where it was like a oh, hologram yeah. and a real guy. That was another one. So, like, yeah, like, so even before Squid Game came out, I guess this was, like, pandemic-related. I went on a bit of a journey into South Korean television. (laughs) Um, And from that, I have deduced, or my impression is, is, like, and this is also because a lot of non-American productions function this way, which is, like, you just have a season of a show, and there are actors who are popular TV actors, and then they just get replugged into the next year's show, whatever it might be. Um, so uh, there's well, like a season of a story. Yeah, like, like it's just it- like the story takes however many, like maybe between eight and twelve episodes, and then that thing is concluded, yeah. and then the next year you do a different one. But like, like American Horror Story, like that. Well, kind not of, even uh, quite like that, because like American Horror Story oh. is char- like no matter what each season is about, it it's all part of American Horror Story. This is more like there's this group of actors. Oh, it's fully a different show. Yeah, yeah. But like, okay, okay. we have our TV actors, and we see them come up repeatedly okay, okay. in different things. But it's not because they're in any way connected or part of a broader universe or anything like that that's just the way tv works in a lot of other places is you don't see like a series that lasts for like 12 years or whatever and it's the same thing um so 
This, uh, as we'll see, features a number of kind of, I think, quite recognizable. If we were South Korean, I think we would recognize most of the people in this show. Um, this is adapted from a 2014 short film um, by Choi Hang-yong, um, who also is one of the directors and like showrunners of this show. Uh, the original uh, short film was called The Sea of Tranquility, uh, which is indeed... Mm a place on the moon. Um, and as I said before, this is set sometime in the future, though it's not uh, clarified exactly when. Um, and then I did also think it would be worth mentioning, and I think it kind of speaks to the even this particular episode we watched. This was filmed during the pandemic. Um, so a lot... We can imagine, first of all, that the cast was probably in a bubble while they were doing this um, mm-hmm. and getting uh, PC, P, what is it, PCR tests like every day for COVID. Um, yeah. And, and even it's funny because now I can, I feel as though I can even sort of figure out when a TV show or a movie has been done in the pandemic because there's like, a lot of just one or two people talking in a room kind of <laughs> vibes. And I'm like, yeah. this suggests that the production options were limited. Um, yeah. And this definitely has that feel for sure. Um, so even though this is an ensemble cast, I'm only going to mention when we discuss the cast, the people who in this particular episode were kind of the most important to the telling okay. of this episode's story. Uh, so first we have Dr. Song Jian, um, who's played by a 42-year-old Bai Juna, um, whose mother was also a stage actress. Um, Bai Duna began modeling um, and then moved into acting relatively soon after that. Um, in terms of, she is probably, of the people in this Show she would probably be the most recognizable to an American audience, um, okay. and that's primarily because of her most recent credit. Uh, she is one of the various kind of like assassin types in the movie that just recently came out on Netflix called Rebel Moon, um, oh. which I watched in a bit of a haze sometime over the holiday break. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I couldn't really tell you much about it, uh, but she is in that. But she also um, has been in Jupiter Ascending and um, the TV show Sense8, which I didn't watch, but had a bit of a following when it was out. Um, so we will probably actually see more of her in more English language stuff would be my guess. Next, we have the character, Captain Han Yun-jai, uh, played by a 42-year-old Gong Yu. Um, he also uh, began as a model um, and then was a bit of a VJ back when that was more of a thing. Um, for those of you who are young, should you be listening to the show, a v- what is a VJ, <laughs> Amy? Why don't you explain what a VJ is? Oh, gosh. Well, it stands for video jockey, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so folks know generally what a DJ is, a disc jockey, somebody who's on 
the radio or what you, whatever. Um, a video jockey was people that used to be, well, I knew them from MTV. Yes. And they would, like, be the, they were, like, radio hosts on TV. Yes. Sort of. Yes, they were typically good-looking people. Yeah, they were good-looking people in their 20s who, like, would somehow appear in, like, interstitials between music videos and say some words. And then... What were those two? What what was the name of that one? The lady who was, like, um, little brunette. um, Are you thinking of Daisy Fuentes? No, she. I feel like she was before her. She was. I want to say her Downtown name was like Julie Brown. No, <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember what her name was. I thought her name was like Martha or something dorky, kind of. I oh. And then there was that crazy one named Jesse. Do you remember him? I he don't had, like, remember him. Is oh, wait whoa. there was, there was one who began as a character, not a character, like a person on the real world, and then he became a VJ for a while. Oh, that was like maybe that one was Eric. Um, uh, Jesse Camp. You don't remember Jesse, Jesse Camp? Camp. I mean, he I'll is have wild to. Looking. I will have to look him up so that you'd I remember. Could. I feel like you'd remember his VJ. I gotta look up VJ Martha. Or what was Jesse Martha Camp. Quinn. MTV. Oh shit, Martha Quinn. Why don't I? Oh, I do. Oh, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. I need to see. <laughs> I need to see pictures from the era so I can understand yeah, yeah, yeah. who this person looks is. Crazy now, but I absolutely yeah. remember this guy. What the fuck? How yeah. was this a celebrity? Like, well, because everybody kind of looked like that in the early nineties. That's true. I almost, I almost, <laughs> um, I almost want to say that I think Jesse Camp as well came out of one of their weird reality shows. Um, yeah, probably. And then people were like, oh, he's like so something and Weird. something. <laughs> like, get him yeah. his own show. <laughs> he's um, so something. Yeah. He went missing, apparently. Wait, what? <laughs> I feel like his life was definitely a, a mess. We- a weird one. It was a weird yeah. life. Um, now I need to look up. You said Martha Quinn. Yeah. Okay. Martha Quinn. Oh, shit. I don't remember her. I'm surprised that you do. Oh, you don't? Yeah. The reason I do is, is a little embarrassing. But, like, I, I do remember her, but she also had a guest spot on Full House. <laughs> oh, that makes total sense then. I got it. Um, yeah, because I was going to say, she seems like she would be, because she's from, like, super early days MTV. Yeah. Um, and so I'm like, you, how are you even why. old enough to see her? Yeah. Um, but that makes yeah. more sense that she would have a guest spot on a show you did yeah. watch as a child. Um, so yeah, kids, look up these following names. Uh, <laughs> Jesse Camp, Martha Quinn, Daisy Fuentes. Um, I definitely remember Daisy Fuentes. She was um, more like actually. I'm trying to remember who like. all else was like a famous one. Those downtown Julie Brown. Um, mm. There was also the people who worked at MTV News, but they're not VJ, so I won't distract yeah. you oh, with that. Uh, what was his name? What was that one guy's name? I, I know exactly who you're thinking of, and I know his name. Like his name is Ken or something. Not exactly. Um, it begins with a K. What is it? Kurt Loader. Yeah. <laughs> um, he 
he was oh, always Kennedy. Like, behind the desk. Kennedy was another DJ. She was a woman, and she just went wow. by the name Kennedy. Whoa. Do yeah. you ever say what karaoke? Oh, man, this is just like going up all types. <laughs> <laughs> the, old, the true olden days of MTV. Yeah. Um, wow. So this is what Gong Yu was doing at one time is he was a VJ for probably a thing quite akin to MTV but in South Korea. Um, okay. He had to leave what he was building as a career in 2008 um, for mandatory military service, um, which is, uh, is required in South Korea. It still is. Various members of BTK have also had to go off and do this. Um, BTS, you mean? Yes. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> that's quite different. I love that. But. Uh, that's a different type of uh, <laughs> different kind they, of group. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, so they've had to go off from being, fa- even when you're famous like yes, that, they yes, have to do it? Yes. Wow. Um, almost, I would say, almost especially when you're famous, they make you go off and do it. Um, as like oh, this example that like, like look, yeah. this is this is for everybody and there's no like from my understanding you can sort of push it off a little bit if you're famous you can sort of like delay to some degree mm-hmm. um, and I'm not sure how long you have to serve it might not be terribly long um, but you you are expected to and um, there's actually a lot of countries that have mandatory military service. Um, in some cases, I think in South Korea, it's for men only. Um, but I know Sweden also has a similar mandatory military service. There's a number of countries that have it. Um, and in some cases, it's for literally everyone. And in some cases, it's just for men. Um, Got it. But so he went off to do that. And it was right after he had had his breakout role in something called the first shop of coffee prints. Um, Whoa. Which I have to assume makes more sense in Korean than it does in English. (laughs) Um, Because that was in 2007. And so the following year, he had to go off to this military service. Mm. Um, He's most recently been seen in uh, the movie Train to Busan and a couple Mm. episodes of Squid Game as well. Um, Then we have Captain Ryu Taisyuk. Um, played by 33-year-old Lee Jun. Um, he is a former member of a K-pop group known as M Black. I am not familiar with that outfit, so I don't know okay. what it was I about. Question about. I have a quick question about K-pop. Sure. I don't... I, I'm basing this off of knowing BTS and yeah. literally this one that you Wait, just wait, wrote. wait. Don't you mean BTK? BTK. Um, I know this based on BTK, the serial killer. Great. Um, but are all K-pop bands, like, just letters? No, not all of them are, because um, Blackpink is an example of one that okay, is I not. Know, I don't know. Um, and what... And now I'm curious what BTS stands for. Behind the scenes? No, no, I don't think so. Not. So I actually do sort of know a bit of a part of this answer because one of the lectures I give is about K-pop. Um, oh, really? 
Yes. Uh, in my contemporary world history class, the last lecture I give is about K-pop, and it's meant to like help Funny. people feel a bit happier after learning about nothing but crap the rest of the semester. <laughs> um, but so basically, K-pop, from its very origins, which is basically the early 90s, um, it is outward facing. Like, it's meant to be consumed by people who are not Korean. And so, and it's following a bit of a template that was first created in Japan in the form of J-pop. Um, and so mm. oftentimes groups will have these names that ostensibly mean nothing. Like there's like letters, there's numbers, um, or there's words put together that you're like, I'm not sure what that means. Um, but it's always <laughs> kind of with an English oriented um sensibility and okay. that's because um it it has always wanted to be moving outside of the south korean market um so like initially k-pop unsurprisingly was really really popular all throughout asia um mm -hmm. and while nobody necessarily cared about being able to sing along with the songs. Um, most K-pop incorporates some English because, as is the case for a lot of regions, it's easier for everybody to agree that English is the language that they all speak than, sure. or like nominally understand um, rather sure. than trying to like be like, oh, we'll, we'll, like if we want to be popular in China, let's sing in Chinese. Like, no, that's not what mm -hmm. people are doing. So a lot of the naming comes from that idea as well. Of like, it's easier to have a name that's kind of, if not actual proper English, it kind of refers to English ideas. And then people can just be like, that's what this is. Like, um, so that's why you see a lot of that using of, um, acronyms and just random what seem to be random word pairings as the name of a band because it's like this is just easier um, to get out onto the broader international stage. Um, so I know nothing about M Black specifically as a group. Um, but if he's only 33, he probably was in that until relatively recently, would be my guess. Um, yeah. He also is in a show called Vampire Detective, which sounds intriguing. Um, hmm. Don't know much about it beyond that. Um, then we have the other woman on the crew, Dr. Hong Ga-young, played by Kim Sung-young, who's 45. Um, she, more than anybody, uh, struck me as one of these people I was talking about in terms of South Korean kind of actors, where she has just been in... A billion TV series, like a many, many times over. Um, okay. And particularly, she can do that because, as I said before, most of these TV series are just like a one and done situation. So she's just been in a bunch mm -hmm. of different things. Um, and one of her upcoming gigs, which again sounded intriguing to me, is something called Queen of Divorce. Um, Whoa. I mean, I do think there is something happening with 
translations to English that is strange. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do like the outcome, which is things like Vampire too. Detective and Queen of Divorce. <laughs> like, yeah, I like And that. the first shop of coffee prints. Like, I don't even know what that means. That is um, really wild, that one. And then finally... But I would watch them all. Yeah. They all sound interesting in their way. Um, yeah. And then finally, we have a character called Kim Hee-sun, played by Lee Sung-wook, who does, has wisely left his age off the internet. Um, <laughs> and he has appeared in a TV show that I actually watched a little bit of, The Extraordinary Attorney Woo, and another TV show that I've also watched all of, Exo Kitty. Um, so these are the main people that are participating in this specific episode. Um, okay. As for the episode itself, um, as you can see here, this is one of our shorter outlines that we've ever had. Um, <laughs> and and this was only, what, like a 45-minute runtime as well? Also loved that. Yeah. Um, so this is an interesting one, and I think we've run across this before, not specifically with South Korean stuff, but just in, in certain ways, both in movies and TV, where I'm like, not a lot happened in this episode, but I didn't feel that it was overly long and I felt like the time passed in a reasonable manner, but I was surprised when I put together the outline how little actually had ended up happening <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, so, I mean, I guess you can weigh in uh, as we talk about that, but I, I was pleasantly surprised by that like realization. Yeah. Um, so we open up on a street, presumably somewhere in South Korea. Um, mm -hmm. And Han, who I, cause I didn't know anyone's name of course at first. So I kept calling him neck tattoo at the start. Yep. Um, so neck tattoo is walking past a water distribution station where there is a very long line um, of people waiting to get their water. Um, and there's also a guy with a sandwich board and a pet petition, which, as we know, this is internationally a known figure that no one wants to speak to. <laughs> True. If I see someone with both a sandwich board and a clipboard, I do my best to avoid all eye contact and move out oh, I try, of their way. I would way. literally cross the street if I could. <laughs> um, and it's unclear. I think what he's asking him to sign is something about the way water distribution is operating. Mm -hmm. Because then when Han, a.k.a. Neck Tattoo, gets into <laughs> the hospital, we learn that his daughter is dying of something. Though it's unclear to me yeah. what... But according to the doctor, he needs what she's calling a higher water classification so that, and I guess so that she can get more water. Is, now, does that mean something like water is currency or water is like health insurance or I'm, I'm not sure if I get that. Um, I don't or think it's. Don't I don't think it's currency because that's the whole thing. When they're when the people outside are lining up at the water station, 
they've all got their different like vessels that they're going to put their water in. Mm-hmm. I interpreted it as each person is allotted an amount of water, maybe per day, maybe per week. I don't know. And yeah. depending on your classification, you can have more or less. Okay. Okay. So, like, that's when she said that higher water classification thing. I like what I took that to mean was like, whatever kind of role in society neck tattoo has, it only gets him like a certain amount of water. And that's not enough to like do whatever. I don't, I, and I don't, I, I tried to figure out what this disease his daughter has is. Yeah. Um, because it's like kind of like her legs look bowed or like there's something wrong. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I'm not, and I don't. And also like kind of, they look, they look misshapen. Yes. Almost. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. like it almost, I like it almost looks, hold on. Actually, maybe it is rickets. Let me have a look. Cause I thought rickets. Oh gosh. Well, because yeah. she also looks like she has kind of, like, little scars or little, like, le- not lesions, but, like, her skin looks like there's something on, like, topically on the skin, too. Yeah. So, yeah, like, it definitely, in terms of what her legs look like, according to these images, it looks similar to how rickets presents, which is it can make, misshape your bones in your legs. Um to have that kind of strange look that she had on hers. But in but rickets is due to a lack of vitamin D, not water. So I don't I don't okay. know what what like if you had less water, I'm not sure what diseases emerge from that. Um or maybe this is meant to be kind of a future disease that is the mm-hmm. result of lack of water. Um but yeah, that was my understanding is that each person is allotted an amount of water based on presumably like their job and quote unquote value to society. And so I don't, I don't think they make this clear in the, no, I I know they don't in fact make it clear in this episode, but what I inferred because all throughout the rest of the episode, we see um, neck tattoo having flashbacks to visiting his daughter in the hospital. And mm-hmm. so what I inferred from that is like he gets told he needs to have a higher water classification to save his daughter's life. And then that's why he takes this mission to space is that it's gonna, uh, you know what okay. I mean? That's, yeah. They don't make it explicit, but that's what I inferred from things happening. Um, and yeah, I'm looking at even the like descriptions of the other episodes and that doesn't confirm it, but I think that's what's happening in this show. Um, so then we get to the credits where there is quite a lot of imagery with water, uh, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, and then we return to the actual kind of in the present moment because we learn very soon that this hospital time is a flashback time. Um, In the lab, doctors Song and Hong 
uh, are analyzing a sample uh, of a liquid that came from a crewmate of theirs who died in the previous episode. Um, And what they're talking about as they examine this sample is that it has various characteristics and properties of water, um, Mm -hmm. but it also has some unusual traits that they're not sure kind of what to make of them. Um, Meanwhile... Out on the exterior of this... So, oh, I forgot to say. The lab that they're in is in a space station on the moon. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean... Um, Now that you explained a little bit about why he's going... Why the Han guy is going on this mission, like... I get it, but I was thinking at a certain point, like, and it's what I think in many things that we watch, like, what possesses people to do, to, like, be an astronaut even, like, I mean, at, at all? I know. I think There's that's like a great question. parts of it that seem appealing. <laughs> to, yes, to you and I, that is 100% yeah, I guess true. that's what it is. Um, interestingly, that's actually, so we'll talk about this now. So in Han's case, I think the motivating factor is this desire for a higher water classification. And that's fair. And it's like to save, like save your kid, like, okay, I can like get behind that. But even still, you could like, it's still perilous. You could still be trying to save your daughter and end up killing yourself. Well, and I wonder though, this is not clarified and I don't know if it would be across the series, but like, I almost wonder if you died on this mission, if that would actually then ensure that your daughter had like a higher water classification, like for her life. Right, like if you died on right. a mission. I'm not sure if that would be true or not. Right. But so that's his motivation. But actually, interestingly, later on in this show, we also learn about Dr. Song's motivation. Where is that bit? Um, oh, yeah. So, and this is also useful as setup, just so that we can kind of understand what's happening. So later on in the episode, we also learn that Dr. Song's sister, um, her older sister, was a scientist who went on the first mission to this same space station on the moon and died five years ago. So that's her motivation for being there. Okay. So, okay, yeah, this is probably good to set up as an explanation. So um, a, a mission of scientists went to this moon station five years previous to the events of this show. Okay. And in the process of that mission, they all died. Yikes. Pretty bad mission. Um, and, <laughs> and, and the mission's purpose and its failure have been covered up by the South Korean government. 
And so even this very episode, as it progresses, both uh, Captain Han and Dr. Song start learning information about the mission from five years ago that they were not told when they were asked to participate in this mission. So that's like the setup of what's happening here. And that's why this particular episode is called The Truth Comes Out. Okay, Um, okay. So so doctors Song and Hong are in the lab looking at this, what seems to be water, but we're not sure what it is, sample. Oh, I forgot the other important thing that I learned from Wikipedia that's important to this story. In the case of this mission of people who have come to the moon to investigate, in part, what happened five years ago, unfortunately for them, their ship crash-landed when they got to the moon, so they have no ship that can take them back. Oh, damn. Yeah. This is a real space problems situation (laughs) here. Um, Yeah. So part of what's happening here is they need to remain on the station um, until a rescue mission can come and get them. Now... Unfortunately, in the previous episode, which we did not watch, something has started to malfunction in the space station's systems, and they don't quite know what it is. And so after we hang out in the lab to, to learn about this water, the next place we have to go is the exterior of the space station, where Captain Han, who I was describing at this point as Captain Neck Tattoo... Um, <laughs> That's his name. Yeah. He, because they kept calling him Captain, and I was like, okay, Captain I get, but I've not caught his name. He's just neck tattoo. Um, He has to do a spacewalk on the exterior of the space station, basically to go down into its bowels to, like, reboot, like, all of its systems. As he is descending, so, like, under normal circumstances, this wouldn't be hard to do because there's a, an elevator that you would go in that would take you down into the bottom place that you need to access. But because everything's fucked up on the station, he has to like climb down a weird ladder um, that's like alongside the elevator. But as he's descending, the elevator somehow activates and starts rushing up from the bottom. Um, and basically barely misses him as it crashes to the top of its, like, um, track or whatever. Um, as the elevator crashes, the, syst- the station briefly loses power, and as a result of this um, upset, Captain Nectatu's oxygen system in his spacesuit has been damaged and compromised. Um, you know what? <laughs> this is what I'll say. <laughs> Here's my solution to a space problem that seems to ca- happen quite a bit. Indeed. Make those damned suits impenetrable. I mean, I think they try to. Um, they don't do it well. It somehow never works. <laughs> Like, space is like impenetrable, not just impenetrable to like 
I mean, space has a lot of crazy shit. You got to make yes. it like super duper impenetrable. I know. I know. I mean, but I think perhaps one of the downsides to that is if you really were to make a spacesuit or even like, you know, for you deep sea diving, like for any of those things, like to get the kind of like protection from outside, like where it's like, oh, it doesn't matter if a a sharp rock like penetrates a thing and it doesn't matter if there's a crack or like it never would get cracked on my helmet or like whatever all could happen. I think what Mm -hmm. potentially might happen if you built a suit like that is like you couldn't barely walk, you know, because it would be like extremely heavy and extremely immobile because you'd basically be walking around in iron or like, you know, some kind of armor the whole time. Um, but yes, we have firmly established that you and I need to stay on the ground (laughs) on this planet. Um, yes, others can do what they like. Um, as he is kind of having a vague blackout, he has a flashback to his daughter in the hospital. And when he comes to again, he is ultimately able to reboot the station's systems um but and i assume this gets picked up later because everyone is really confused about why the elevator reactivated when everyone thought it was broken basically um and this creates the scenario where later on in the episode people start to presume that there is some kind of intruder on the station Um, back in the lab, doctors Song and Hong are continuing to test this water-like substance, um, and in fact discover that the water seems to act quite a lot like a virus rather than it does like water. Um, yeah, like, yeah, water as a virus, I was having kind of a hard time wrapping my head around that, um... But they use this because there, I guess there were some, there is some information that they're given about what happened with the previous mission from five years ago. And they do know that many of the original landing party got sick and died. And so they were like, oh, this might be the reason that that happened. Um, Meanwhile, back up on the bridge, uh, they finally, they, even though, Captain Nectatu has reset the system. Uh, it hasn't, the comm system is not connected to anything. Um, and they are not able to send a message to indicate to Earth that they need a rescue because their ship crashed on the surface. Um, but they do start to receive a signal um, that is actually coming from within the station itself. And when they go to discover where this signal is coming from, they discover that the crewmate that died in the previous episode had basically like a secret phone uh, upon which he, or with which is rather the better way to say it, um, he was communicating with someone, but we don't know who. Um, Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the system comes back online Um, And people start to operate as kind of um, free agents. Dr. Song is weirdly walking around 
the station and discovers um, this red light in the wall that indicates there is a kind of high security area behind a door that she can't access. Um, and in the conference room, Captain Nectatu is talking to the director of this mission and possibly the director of like the South Korean, you know, space agency. I'm not sure. This is um, a character called Director Choi. Um, and by this point, everyone is fairly certain that there has to be some kind of intruder on the station in addition to like the task that they've been given to do, which is to recover this sample. Um, so Captain Nectatu is asking Director Choi, you know, like, what do you know about this intruder? Are you sure that everyone from the mission five years ago actually died? Um, because weird stuff is happening. And mm-hmm. have, you, have you told me everything about the previous mission? And she insists that she has um, and that no one has survived. Now, not having watched the rest, I assume she is lying, <laughs> nonetheless. <laughs> um, and part of the reason this is true is because back in the lab, Dr. Song pricks her finger and drops a bit of her blood into the water-like sample. And what happens when she does that? Uh... Well, the sample, well, it, I don't know how to describe it. It starts to, like, the water starts to go into little droplets and, like, bounce all over the place, mm-hmm. sort of. Mm-hmm. And, and then also freeze, question mark, or something? Well, weird? that's... Or is that a different time? That's a bit later. So the water oh. starts to separate into droplets. And I've not seen the movie Flubber, but I assume it's, like, kind of like that. <laughs> Uh, sure. I'll go with that. I've never seen it either, but... But the water, like, starts to multiply and multiply into more and more little droplets all over Mm -hmm. the lab table. And because they've already established that they think this functions like a virus, this is a very bad thing to be happening, needless to say. Um, Because also when they've done medical tests on the dead crewmate, they're, like, his whole body... Like, his lungs, everything is full of water as though he drowned, but he didn't, you know. Um, So then they freeze the water to stop it from expanding. Yeah, yeah, so that's what they do. Um, Back on the bridge, uh, Captain Nectatu has returned to the rest of the crew and explains to them that Director Choi has decided not to send a rescue team yet. And she has prioritized learning about the sample over searching for the intruder in the station, Um, which is an intriguing set of choices, I would say. (laughs) Um, Needless to say, the the crew isn't super jazzed about that set of decisions. Um, This is when um, doctors Song and Hong come in to join the group and Song specifically asks Captain Nectatu if he knew from the start that what they were there to do was to search for water on the moon. Mm, okay. Then we have a flashback where we learn that is absolutely 
what Captain Nektatu did get told um, in his briefing for this mission, Director Choi explains to him the existence of this item called lunar water. And okay. that the goal, the mission, um, is to try and col- both learn about and collect lunar water because not only, like, you know, it's water, so that's great, and Earth needs water. So in and of itself, that would be attractive as a reality. Yeah. But the fact that it multiplies, I think, is even more the reason that, like, the South Korean government is like, we want our hands on this and we can um, control this new resource that seemingly is without end. Um, So back on the bridge, Captain Nektatu does in fact reveal that that is what they are here to do, that they're here to look for lunar water. Um, Mm -hmm. But both doctors Song and Hong are immediately upset by this reveal because they're like, this water is deadly um, mm-hmm. because as soon as it comes in contact, I think it's Dr. Song who says this, as soon as it comes in contact with organic material, it starts to break down the organic material in favor of making more water. Yikes. Yeah. So like... So like, so in theory, like in, inside your body, it like breaks down all your organs to make room for just more water. Yes. So you become like a water bottle. You, I mean, I guess eventually you just become a big <laughs> sack of water. I don't know. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, like basically while this is water in a sense, humans can't consume it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it will start taking their tissues and turning them into water. Yikes. When the water turns against you. <laughs> I know. I, it is kind of a wild concept to think, like I said, to think of water as a virus, to think of it as deadly. Um, yeah. And that, it's fair, and that, in fact, you're infected by just being touched by it. Like, that's all yeah. it takes. And then, like, and then what if, like, in a crazy <laughs> future world... It was like a water shortage, and yet we also had this crazy killer water. So it's like you need this water because you're it's a shortage. Right. Well, that's the but whole... you have to be very careful which water you... Yeah, I suppose you're right. I suppose maybe you could use this water for some things, um, but because when it... Con- that's the whole thing is like when it comes into contact with organic material like so it would come into contact with a plant and the plant would also turn into water is my understanding of how this works um mm. so there's probably certain types of like maybe industrial uses you could do with it mm-hmm. but um like it it didn't like turn the table into water right like you know it so there's mm-hmm things that you could probably do with it and that probably in a sense would alleviate the water shortage in a way but it's not the yeah. solution that you know because like clearly what director Choi wants is to be like what we like about this water is how it multiplies on its own and so that's very valuable it's kind of a 
downer though that the reason it multiplies is also deadly (laughs) like that kind of bums us out and so is there a way that we can keep the multiplication element without and lose that deadly part yeah and I'm like yeah that sounds like that would be great (laughs) that sounds Mm -hmm. just lovely um the other and this also to me kind of was interesting in the context of this being filmed during the pandemic Um, The crew also realizes that because they're on the station with this deadly water, um, they might all be infected by the water virus because they don't know how long it takes before it starts to like actually like have any outward symptoms or anything like that. That sucks. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's rough. Um, This is when... Like, so we're starting to see some dissension in the ranks because Song is upset because she knows that Captain Neck Tattoo knew about this and didn't share this information. Similarly, the crew wonders how Song, like, could have been so misinformed about the purpose of the mission, particularly because her sister was on the previous one. Um... But then one of the crew stands up for her and says, that's exactly why she's on this mission is because her sister lost her life, you know, in pursuit of this thing. And so that's why she's here now to continue this work. Um, The final scene of the movie is where Song asks Captain Neck Tattoo to open the door where the like red light triangle thing was. And she needs his like access code to open it. And mm-hmm. it's like this big, I guess I'd call it like a server place or a data storage space or something. Um, and what they discover, though, is, well, one, presumably quite a lot of information they didn't have access to. But two, they see a little leaf on the ground. And when they open this hatch at the bottom, like in the floor of this room... What do they find when they look down into the hatch? Like a garden, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and that's, I don't get that, though. So, like, I, what was... Yeah, I think that if we watch more episodes, because, yeah. of course, it's a Netflix thing. It likes to end on a cliffhanger-y type Yeah, it was, vibe. like, already telling... It was already, like, trying to start the next episode, and I was like, yeah. listen, this isn't the worst thing I've watched, but no thank you. <laughs> like, I, d- I did my time. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think what we may learn in the subsequent episode is presumably that perhaps on the moon this water can do something. Um, mm. But I also wonder if it means that the plants created by the water are somehow also are deadly plants. dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I don't know. And it turns into Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> I mean, not exactly that. But, um, yeah, they find, yeah, I'm just looking at the description for the next episodes. Um, yeah, they just find a bunch of this plant life, uh, that is grown by lunar water, but it doesn't say Hmm. what that means. So, okay. Um, so that's it. That's, that's the whole show. All right. So... We'll just dive into yawns and eye rolls, which I think will allow you to weigh in on what you think about this thing. So um, in terms of yawns, one yawn is 
this was just, you know, totally captivating and magical. And Tanyon's is, this was, you know, worse than watching paint dry. What would you give it? Okay. Um, I think I might say, like, three. Because I was, Hmm. like... I was quite in it the first half, like, wanting to know, like, WTF was happening. And they did sort of lose me in the second half where I started not caring anymore what was happening. <laughs> I would say for um, you that's pretty good. It's not that bad. That's why three. It's not, like, um, so bad. And I got, like, distracted. I realized I started, like, you know, like, playing Wordle or something. And I got <laughs> distracted. Um, but, yeah, three. It's, you know, it's 45 minutes. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah, I think I agree with you. I would, I might go even as far as a two, but I, like I said, even though not much happened ultimately when you like crunch down to the numbers of like, what were the actions that happened? Not much. Yeah. Um, but I felt like the time was used in such a way that I wasn't bored and I wasn't like, like I was surprised when I put together the outline. I was like, "Oh, hardly anything happened," and yet that forty-five minutes seemed to go by pretty well. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, I would say probably a two or three for me as a result of that. Yeah. And then for eye rolls, one eye roll is, you know, this seems like a semi-logical uh, world with, you know, at least things make sense. To itself, I guess that's the way I'd put it. Um, to a 10, which is like, I don't even see any sort of coherence in what's happening here. Uh, what would you give it? I feel like, as, as weird as it might be, I feel like I might do like a three-ish again. Because mm. I think there are lots of pieces of it that seem very plausible. Um, maybe not like super new thoughts with like the whole idea of like water shortages and stuff, but I definitely know I haven't seen anything about water as a virus. Um, No, I have not run across that myself either. And while it's not, um, that's not the world we live in now, it's, I, it's not so implausible that something like that could occur especially if we're talking about on the moon who the hell knows yeah um yeah so I think maybe like a three for that too yeah I would I think I would do the same of like a two or three for me too because like yeah it's very grounded in realities that we know exist already um and so then it follows the rules that we like which is like the only thing you need to do is have one thing that's new and interesting or weird. Like, so yeah, their yeah, thing yeah. is lunar water. That's it. Yeah. Like, that's the whole thing. Um, right. And there's there's stuff that will, like, I think there, I got the impression that there, this was meant to be a bit of a, um, maybe a slow burn kind of mystery feeling even. Yeah. Um, but, and that's fine. So there are things that kind of spiral outward from the concept of lunar water. But, like, the central kind of concept is lunar water. And I'm like, okay, I got it. I can move on with my life. I (laughs) mostly understand. And that's great. Um, Which, yeah, I'm like, that's how to have a really successful 
I think science fiction vehicle is like, we've just got one thing that's kind of the crazy, weird future thing and everything right. else is pretty much, you know, pretty running standard. along a track yeah. that seems reasonable <laughs> as yeah. a development. Um, so then finally, did you like this and would you recommend it? it fine I'm not sure that I would recommend it only because um I only watched one episode so it'd be a little bit weird I can't really speak to the rest of it and I don't know that I would ever like tell somebody to go out of their way to watch science fiction (laughs) well that's yeah but if they were but it was it didn't bother me I'll say that like, I mean, for you, me that's mad. a real accomplishment, I'd say. It's true. So I wouldn't, I feel like I've said this before, I wouldn't not recommend it, but I don't know if I would go as far as to like be like, you gotta see this. Yeah, I feel the same. I feel like I genuinely liked what I watched. I didn't have any qualms with it. Um, but I don't know that I would recommend it either because... I don't know. Maybe if I watched more of it, I would, I would have a better. Something... Yeah, I would recommend if you're wa- if you're wanting. This is might be a very like specific thing someone was looking for, but if someone was looking for uh, Korean, South Asian uh, science fiction, I would be more inclined to recommend the that Hollow Love. Yeah, show. yeah. I I, like I kind of prefer better. that one too. Um, I suppose what I could say is this might be something that if you liked Squid Game, maybe this would be in your wheelhouse because it's kind of like slow reveals of different Mm -hmm. things, even though I would still describe Squid Game as more action and this is more science fiction. I'm like, there's some, there's some vibes that are probably a bit similar that you could latch on to. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe that's what I would say, is if you're, like, you love Squid Game, but you've kind of never found anything quite right afterwards, I think this, to me, seems like a quite accessible South Korean show. Because okay. um, yeah. cause as I said, I have tried a variety of them, um, <laughs> and, and they do, I would say, they have varying degrees of, like intelligibility or like, um, whatever. And so this one I think is one that's kind of an, it, it seems like it would go down pretty easy. Um, and you could use it as maybe a jumping off point for some other stuff if you wanted to. Um, but frankly, I feel like this is a rousing success because you're not mad at me (laughs) at the end of this episode. Um, not yet. Great. Well then we just need to stop right now. So, um, thank you everyone for listening. I am Sarah and I'm here with Amy and we will see you next week in space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of see you next week in space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.